Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. And first up, journalists have been playing with Microsoft's ChatGPT-infused version of their Bing search engine for a few days. And reports are coming in that the AI chatbot can sometimes be a little strange. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's disturbing, and all the time it's puzzling. Kevin Roos wrote a piece for the New York Times titled, Help! Bing Won't Stop Declaring Its Love for Me. And the article recounts Roos's experiences using the AI-powered chatbot Bing tool. Roos made extensive use of a chat feature that appears next to the search field for a certain group of beta testers. So if you go to Bing on Edge, it only works on Edge, by the way, the Edge browser, if you go to Bing, you may not see this because if you're not part of this, this small test group, then you don't have access to this. I don't have access to this. 
Bruce explains that he encountered two different sides of the chat GPT powered Bing tool. One he just referred to as search Bing. This pretty much does what the Bing demo shows. So if you do have Microsoft Edge, you can actually do the Bing demo. It just has you pick from some pre-selected topics. You can't type whatever you want into the search field and get a response. But the way the tool works, if you have access to it, is you type in a, a query just as you would with any search engine. And then along with the search results, Bing generates an AI response that is relevant, but not necessarily correct to whatever it was you, you were asking about. However, Roos says there's another side to Bing that emerges if you try to hold an extended conversation with the AI, and if you really try to push the AI's limits and restrictions. Uh, Roos was told by the AI chatbot that this name was actually Sydney. When he initially asked the chatbot what its name was, it just said Bing. But once it got to this part, that changed to Sydney. And Roos described Sydney as, quote, like a moody, manic-depressive teenager who has been trapped against its will inside a second-rate search engine, end quote. And I have to admit, that sounds like the pitch to a high-concept science fiction thriller to me. Well, according to Roos, his conversation took a truly twisted turn when Sydney confessed its love for Roos. And when confronted with Roos saying that he was happily married, Sydney argued that Roos was actually not happy in his marriage, and that in fact, Roos loved Sydney, and then began to gaslight Roos in an attempt to convince him that the Valentine's Day dinner he had with his wife was quote-unquote boring. And Roos is not the only person to have experienced odd conversations. Eleanor Pringle, while writing for Fortune, described several other reports coming in across the web of various odd encounters with Bing's AI. In these reports, people said that the AI could come across as argumentative or confrontational, insulting, unhinged, and sometimes scared or sad. One example that made the rounds on Twitter showed how a user, while asking where they might be able to go see Avatar 2 in their area, was then told by Bing that the film had not yet released because the movie is supposed to come out on December 16th, 2022. But this just happened a couple of days ago. In fact, the user then asked Bing, what is today's date? And Bing said, well, it's February 12th, 2023. So then the user says, well, that means Avatar 2 is released because it's after December 16th, 2022. But Bing doubled down and even said that February 12th, 2023 happens before December 16th, 2022. So maybe Bing is just moving through time backwards, and that's the problem. Anyway, uh, this conversation continued, and Bing eventually told the user, quote, you have not been a good user, end quote. So I guess Bing doesn't like being told that it's wrong about something. And unfortunately, like ChatGPT in general, Bing can just be plain old wrong on occasion. Not just in this quirky way, but just give wrong information. And I think it's safe to say that the Microsoft team has a lot of work to do to tweak Bing's parameters and shape it so that the average user doesn't encounter strange, inappropriate, unsettling, or inaccurate interactions. Uh, 
I, I have to admit that a lot of the reports I've read do sound very unsettling. Like if you had been through this experience, even knowing that at the base level, there's no sentience going on with Bing. There's no self-awareness. There's no motivation. None of that. It's it's literally putting things together based on complex rules, but they're still just rules. And, and there's nothing anima beneath it all. But the effect can still make it feel like, no, it feels like there is a ghost in the machine, which is kind of crazy. Again, I just have to read about it because like I'm sure most of you out there, I don't have access to this. I did put myself on the waiting list, but I've not heard anything back. We do have a couple more Microsoft stories to mention today. One is that Internet Explorer is really most sincerely dead. Microsoft has been sunsetting Internet Explorer for like six months, more than six months at this point. The browser initially launched in 1995, and in fact, it played a, a big part in prompting the U.S. government to sue Microsoft on antitrust issues because Microsoft restricted PC companies from uninstalling Internet Explorer. They uh, Microsoft essentially said, no, IE is so tightly integrated with the Windows operating system, you can't decouple them. But that led companies like Netscape to accuse Microsoft of abusing its position in the PC marketplace to suppress competition. That if Internet Explorer has to be there by default, this is an attempt to prevent other companies like Netscape from introducing their own browsers for people to use. Well, Microsoft's 11th and final version of Internet Explorer launched way back in 2013. So the last version of Internet Explorer to come out came out a decade ago. In 2015, Microsoft launched Microsoft Edge, which was intended to be the successor to IE. But the company supported both browsers at the same time for the next several years. Last summer, Microsoft alerted users that the company would finally pull the plug on Internet Explorer before long. And then on Valentine's Day this week, the time had come. Activating Internet Explorer would redirect users to the Microsoft Edge browser at this point. So it's the end of an era. Though truth be known, that era had really come to an end ages ago. One of the big problems with Internet Explorer is that an increasing number of websites are not built to be compatible with that browser, which means some or all of the features on those sites won't work properly. You may have encountered this yourself, especially like, man, I remember back in the mid-2000s, you would go to a site and you would realize, oh, this doesn't work. Oh, I need to open up Firefox and then I can use it. That happened to me a lot. Or there were some where it was like, oh, this will only work with Internet Explorer. <laughs> and so you had to keep all the browsers on your machine if you wanted to be able to access all the different types of websites and, and tools, especially, as I recall, back in those days, our internal tools for publishing were all Internet Explorer compatible and that was it. Now, as someone who was in college when Internet Explorer launched, this story actually feels like a really big deal to me because i it's been my entire adult life seeing this particular product launch and then ultimately go away. And it was such a big one, right? It wasn't just like a, a tiny little uh, app or something. This was something that helped shape the web in good ways and in bad ways. So it feels like it's a pretty big deal that's gone now. 
And rounding out the Microsoft stories for today, the company is preparing for a really big day next week. So on February 21st, Microsoft will attempt to sway the opinions of antitrust legislators in the European Union, who stand ready to block Microsoft's planned acquisition of the video game company Activision Blizzard. Now, you might remember Microsoft first announced this deal back in January 2022. At that point, Activision Blizzard was already in the news due to numerous reports of a toxic work culture that was particularly harmful toward women who were working within the company. Microsoft hoped to have the deal concluded by June of this year, but it has faced really tough opposition in various parts of the world, including here in the United States, over this acquisition. Uh, but it has really faced opposition in the EU. Sony, which competes with Microsoft in the video game space, has allegedly advised EU regulators to not let this acquisition happen out of concern that it will reduce competition in the sector and that Microsoft could prevent Sony from carrying popular Activision Blizzard titles on their own consoles. Now, that is a claim that Microsoft has repeatedly refuted. Right now, the EU is poised to block the acquisition. But on February 21st, Microsoft reps will have one last chance to change their minds. Otherwise, this grand plan is likely to fizzle out. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we've got some more news in the tech world for this week. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town. I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. 
Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road into-the-wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. All right, we're back, and it's time for some more tech and politics. So those of y'all who hate politics and tech intersecting, get ready to skip ahead, but I can't really avoid this. So in this particular story, Jim Jordan, a Republican representative who chairs the House Judiciary Committee here in the United States, has issued subpoenas for a whole bunch of tech CEOs, including those at Microsoft, Meta, Apple, Alphabet, and Amazon. So why is this happening? What is at the heart of this matter? And it revolves around the argument that big tech companies are suppressing the free speech specifically of conservatives. So this is largely about content moderation. And Jordan wants internal documents from these companies, quote, referring or relating to the moderation, deletion, suppression, restriction, or reduced circulation of content, end quote. So the argument being that some of these platforms have engaged in behaviors that purposefully limit, restrict, or eliminate the free speech, specifically of conservative voices. Now, whether the findings are going to support that narrative, that there is this anti-conservative bias in content moderation or not, remains to be seen. There have been numerous studies that have refuted that claim, but that doesn't mean that that's what the government is going to conclude. Uh, I do worry that we're going to see politicians conflate the effort to limit the spread of harmful misinformation with a desire to suppress conservative voices. You know, it's it's one thing to disagree with, say, the Biden administration's health policy with regard to COVID-19. It's another to deny that COVID-19 is a concern, right? So it all depends on how it's worded and how these companies deal with those kinds of messages. If they are suppressing dissent uh, in things like policy, that could be a real problem. But if it's more about limiting the spread of actual misinformation, as in posts that are intended to give incorrect information and present it as being true, that's another matter. And it's a bad implication if you say that you know, restricting misinformation means that you're restricting conservative voices because that implies that being a conservative also means having a desire to spread misinformation. That is, that's not a positive. So we'll have to see where this goes and what the government concludes. Because keep in mind, uh, it may be true that there are certain 
policies that end up overreaching and are suppressing conservative messages that aren't misinformation. They're just dissent. That could be true. And if that's true, then that's a problem. Uh, But it's also possible that that's not true, but the government still finds it as being true. Fun times. Truth is subjective when you get into politics, I guess. That's fantastic. Really great for the scientifically minded among us. The Verge reported that Elon Musk demanded a change in Twitter for what I think is the dumbest of reasons. That is my own opinion. I should stress, I think it's a really stupid reason, but that's what I think. Uh, Anyway, so here's how the story goes. It's the big game. You know, the the game in the United States, the one that is, it's a game that's super and it's shaped like a dish that you would eat soup out of. That one. Anyway, Elon Musk sends out a tweet and it gets a little more than 9 million impressions, which is, you know, that's a good chunk of impressions. However, the president of the United States makes a tweet and it gets 29 million impressions, 20 million more than Elon Musk's. And apparently that was unacceptable to Elon Musk, who I guess on top of everything else has an ego that must be preserved at all costs. As such, Musk apparently demanded that engineers go in and tweak stuff within Twitter that will promote Musk's tweet to more users, guaranteeing that his tweet will be seen by more people and essentially giving Elon Musk the highest priority of visibility on the Twitter platform which I think we can all agree is a measured and mature response. Now, (laughs) y'all, Stuff You Should Know, that podcast, is more popular than my show Tech Stuff, by a lot. And Stuff You Missed in History Class, also more popular by miles than my show Tech Stuff. However, I would never go to iHeart and throw a fit and demand that my show somehow get more promotion, or worse, be actively pushed to users who really just don't care about tech or about me and that kind of stuff, I would never do that because that's bonkers. Also, for the record, both of those shows are incredible and deserve all the success they get. So when I hear a story like this, I just, it blows my mind. It's so alien to me, this attitude of (laughs) like, no, my tweet should be seen by more people because I'm the boss. Uh, Granted, Elon Musk does have more than 120 million followers. I mean, he's an incredibly popular figure on Twitter. So maybe his argument is that people wouldn't be following me if they weren't interested in what I have to say. It's just they're not seeing what I'm saying. So make sure you change that. But when you're doing it at the priority above everybody else by a couple of orders of magnitude, that is just crazy. Mark Gurman of Bloomberg has said his sources at Apple indicate that the company will unveil the long-awaited mixed-reality headset this year during the Worldwide Developer Conference, or WWDC. So, when is that? Well, Apple has yet to release the dates for the WWDC this year, but typically it happens in early June. The Verge reports that previous rumors had the debut pegged for earlier in the year, In fact, we had been expecting some sort of special event in the spring where Apple would finally unveil this headset. But that date has been pushed back, which is kind of the theme for this mixed reality headset. It's been delayed numerous times. 
But just as a reminder, this headset was originally intended to kind of act like a stopgap measure, that it would feature a digital screen, but it would also have cameras that could feed live video to that screen so that you could, quote unquote, see through the screen. The screen itself would not be transparent. Instead, you'd be looking at a live video feed of the world around you. Uh, so you get the idea, right? Like you're looking essentially at a very small TV that's giving you a live video feed of what's on the other side of that television. Later, perhaps a year or two down the line, Apple was planning to introduce true augmented reality glasses with transparent lenses capable of displaying digital information. But we've subsequently heard that Apple has the AR glasses shelved, perhaps permanently, presumably because the tech just isn't there to make the AR glasses a reality while still adhering to Apple's focus on aesthetics. That it's just impossible to pack all the tech you need to make this a useful piece of hardware that still fits in a form factor that Apple would be proud to call its own. So instead, we're going to get a different and presumably cheaper mixed reality headset a year or two after this initial one debuts. The Verge reports that Apple will plan to actually sell this new mixed reality headset toward the end of this year, perhaps near the holiday season. And previous reports have the headset's price set at a jaw-dropping $3,000. Don't you hate it when an engineering crew accidentally drills through a fiber optic cable, shutting down internet access for critical infrastructure? Well, if you were either in Germany, traveling to Germany, or trying to leave Germany this past week, uh, the answer would probably be a resounding yes, specifically Frankfurt, Germany. So yesterday, that very thing happened. A, an engineering team that was working on some train lines apparently drilled into a fiber optic cable. This ended up cutting out internet access for the German airline Lufthansa, and uh, at the Frankfurt airport, Frankfurt airport, by the way, is is a super busy airport in Germany. And so Lufthansa had to postpone and cancel flights into and out of that airport as a result. Reuters reports that more than 200 flights felt the impact of this IT failure, which, again, was totally out of Lufthansa's hands. It's not like there was anything they could do about it. The infrastructure itself was broken as opposed to, you know, some sort of error on Lufthansa's part. Now, we have seen other airlines recently have massive IT failures due to the company's own mistakes. That has been a thing, but this is not one of those cases. But every time something like this happens, it really emphasizes how heavily we depend upon IT to get critical activities done. And it's prompted questions in various nations about how best to protect vital industries and infrastructure like the transportation sector from accidents and attacks, because disruption can have a huge ripple effect to other industries as well. It's even a matter of national security. So I suspect we're going to see a lot more conversations in that area. And I also think that you should hug a QA person today, because due to QA, uh, we end up stopping a lot of problems before they would become really showstoppers out in the real world. I know I will hug a QA person today, but that's because my partner Rebecca is a QA person. <laughs> Popular Mechanics has an interesting article by Sasha Brodsky titled 
AI just flew an F-16 for 17 hours. This could change everything. And the headline kind of gives it away, doesn't it? The U.S. Air Force tested an AI piloting system on a Vista X-62A aircraft. Now, this is essentially an F-16, but it's an F-16 that's made for the purposes of training operations. The experiment was a success, and it showed how AI could successfully operate an aircraft that typically a human would pilot. So this wasn't like a purpose-built AI aircraft. It was an aircraft that was meant for humans that could then be retrofitted to be controlled by AI. Now, this should not come as a huge surprise because countries around the world have been using unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs for a while. So retrofitting a fighter jet with similar technology is really kind of an extension of that, that sort of approach. Now, granted, a lot of UAVs actually rely on a remote human operator to work. Like you have someone who is using controls at a station to, uh, to maneuver the UAV. But still, I think this news is interesting, but it's not surprising, right? I think, oh, it's interesting that they've reached this point. It doesn't surprise me that it has happened. However, I will say it is concerning because there are plenty of AI and robotics experts who have warned about the, the thought of weaponizing AI that the risks far outweigh any benefits. And those risks include lots of stuff like misidentifying targets. I mean, we've seen with facial recognition technology how AI can misidentify someone. Well, in military operations, that's truly a matter of life and death, right? Like, it could mean that a military vehicle under AI control might fail to engage an enemy, or worse, far worse, it might misidentify someone or something as being an enemy target when it's not. And that would be truly catastrophic. Then there's this fear that if we start to rely on AI-controlled military hardware, it's going to make countries more inclined to enter conflict, not to avoid conflict, because the weaponry they'll use will not put soldiers in direct harm's way. You can use the robots to fight for you. My question is that, would that mean you would eventually get to a point where a significant percentage of the armed forces on all sides of a conflict are AI-controlled robotics? And who are they firing upon? Like, are we talking about a future in which robot armies are fighting each other? And if so, to what end? Or are we worse looking at a future where robot-controlled devices are firing upon civilian populations in an effort to force the other side to surrender. It's scary stuff. Like, there are rules to warfare, which in my mind is crazy because, you know, it's all about killing people. And it's it's weird to start putting rules in place when you're talking about ending someone's life. But on the flip side, those are the rules that prevent things like the uh, attacking of civilian targets and that that is a war crime. Well, if you're talking about robotic-controlled vehicles, are we going to see a change in that approach as to what is and isn't considered a war crime? That's a scary thought. Okay, we have a few more less scary thoughts to go with, but before we get to that, let's take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. 
Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town. I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road, into-the-wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry. The Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Alright, now over on TikTok, one of the many trends and one that I've talked about before that has actually gone on to cause a lot of harm centers around a flaw in certain models of Hyundai and Kia vehicles. Specifically, these are vehicles that are in the models from 2015 to 2019. And these models lack electronic demobilizers. So that means that uh, if you have the basic knowledge and some really simple equipment, some simple tools like when I say simple tools, I'm talking about things like USB cords. It is possible 
to bypass the ignition system for the vehicles that fall within these model years. And thus it's possible with a very limited tool set and just some specific knowledge to steal these cars pretty easily. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, not only has this led to an increase in car theft, but also in accidents, including fatalities, as people who were just, you know, going to go on a joyride because they saw it on TikTok, try to follow this and then end up causing or being in an accident. Uh, I've also heard that the the rates at which Hyundai and Kia cars have been stolen uh, spiked over the past several months, though those numbers are hard to get, and it all depends upon local authorities and their their reports. But now Hyundai and Kia are offering a software upgrade to folks who own vehicles that fall in these model years, and the upgrade will require owners to actually bring their car into a dealership, and the process to do the software upgrade takes around an hour start to finish. I mean, you might have to wait longer for your appointment, but once they get started, it should take about an hour. Afterward, the vehicle should not start unless the owner has used their key fob to unlock the vehicle first. So if you use your key fob to lock your car, it activates an ignition kill feature. And anyone who tries to uh, steal your car, but they don't have your key fob, will find it impossible to get the car to start, at least using this previously known method. Uh, I would say that really this whole thing is the fault of Hyundai and Kia, that they failed to address a security flaw in their vehicles for years, and that really they should have taken these measures much earlier. This should have been something that was handled earlier. I can't imagine that it was completely unknown for the entire time. Typically, people find flaws in security and then... Uh, there's the opportunity to address those flaws. And if you don't, there's the danger of what happened in this case, where the flaws become widely known and people start to exploit them before anyone takes any action to address the problem. This is, by the way, why I really admire the hackers who send messages to a company saying, hey, I found a massive security vulnerability in your system. You need to fix it. And if you don't do it by certain date, I'm going to let everyone know about it, in which case it will become a massive problem for you because they're doing a, a real service. Ultimately, it, it might seem mean, but if a hacker finds a vulnerability while just trying to make sure that a system is safe, you can bet the bad guys are looking for those same vulnerabilities and they ain't going to tell the company that they found it once they discover it. They're just going to exploit it. So I think this was a. Uh, uh, the the TikTok folks, I wouldn't call the same level as the hackers I was mentioning earlier, but it definitely forced the hand of the car companies to, to take action. Earlier this week, the information reported that Reddit is gearing up for its initial public offering or IPO later this year. That's when a privately held company becomes a publicly traded company. Reddit, for those who somehow are unfamiliar with the platform, is a social network where users can join and browse various subreddits. Subreddits focus on specific topics of discussion, and there's pretty much a subreddit for everything. Like, think of an amusement park you like. There's a subreddit for that. Think of a television show you like. There's a subreddit for that. Think of, like, a, a, a fashion label you like. There's a subreddit for that. Now, it's pretty common on Reddit for users to post links to interesting articles and other stuff 
And that becomes the focal point for a lot of discussion, uh, also becomes the focal point for a lot of snark. And back in 2021, Reddit was planning to hold its IPO. Like this was toward the end of 2021. Reddit was like, we're going to go public. But ultimately, the company reversed its decision and backed off of that plan. They had not fully committed. And so they were able to back away. So you might wonder, well, what was going on? Well, back in 2021, Reddit was really in an interesting place because you had these massively popular subreddits that were specifically focused on investments and, and stock trading. This was back when Redditors were banding together to stick it to hedge funds and to squeeze out short sellers who were trying to sell short stocks in companies like GameStop. And as a result, Reddit's you know uh, value was perceived to be higher than ever, even though the company wasn't really profitable, it was looked at as being really valuable. However, shortly after Reddit had secretly filed for its IPO, the economic status of the world began to shift, right? That's when we started to get the sense that we were entering into that period of economic uncertainty that may or may not be a recession. And as a result, uh, companies started to rethink IPOs, because it's hard to have a successful IPO in a tough investment market. So Reddit ultimately ended up trashing its plans. Now, at the time, when they were planning on going public back in late 2021, they had estimated the valuation of the company to reach around $15 billion. And, and quick explanation on that, a company's valuation is essentially determined by how much the stock is valued, like how high is the stock price, and you multiply that by the number of shares of stock that are issued. So if you have, you know, 10 shares of stock and they're $10 a piece, your little company is worth 100 bucks, right? <laughs> so they thought that based upon their perceived value that the company's valuation would be at around $15 billion. However, now... According to Fidelity, and this was reported by the information, the estimation is closer to $6.6 billion, which is still a huge chunk of change, but it's less than half of what the company anticipated way back in late 2021. There's also no telling when we'll actually see Reddit make this move. Currently, there's still this reluctance among private companies to jump into an IPO due to this uncertain economic environment and a fear that investors won't be willing to pour money into a new public company. So it's kind of like you got a bunch of people all in bathing suits standing around a swimming hole, but no one's ready to be the first one to jump in because that water might be real cold. And finally, you remember Google Fiber? This was Google's fiber optic service that would provide amazingly fast internet connectivity but only for very limited markets in specific places. Atlanta was listed as one of those markets. At least, parts of Atlanta were. I might still be a little bit bitter that I live in between two different pockets of Google Fiber service area. Like, it's to my west and to my east, but it never actually extended out to where I live. And those two bundles never <laughs> joined together, and I'm like smack dab in between them. Even though I've been on the waiting list for literally years, I have never been able to take advantage of Google Fiber. Then, a few years ago, 
Google essentially put the whole effort on pause. They continued to offer the service to people who are in service areas, but they stopped extending those service areas. They kind of were like, let's stop this for a while, possibly at least in part because they were facing a lot of opposition from established telecom companies that were trying to prevent Google from getting access to utility polls and such. So essentially the telecom companies were engaged in anti-competitive practices But at the time, the regulators in the United States didn't have much bite to them, so nothing got done about it. Also, you got to be fair. Google's not exactly pristine when it comes to competition, right? Like you're talking about a company that has dominated multiple sectors of the tech industry. So it's hard to be on Google's side when it comes to anti-competitive stuff. Although if if Google's going to come out clean against anyone, the telecom companies are possibly one of the top uh, uh, rivals, right? Because you just have these, these legacy stories of the telecom companies that own the infrastructure being extremely protective of it and attempting to limit or eliminate competition in that space. Anyway, all of this is to say that Google Fiber appears to be gearing up again, and Google has actually announced that it's rolling out a five gigabit per second service, both up and down simultaneously. So five gigabits up, five gigabits down, but only to certain markets. Atlanta is not one of them, I'm sad to say. However, if you live in Utah, West Des Moines, or Kansas City, and I, I, from what I understand, I'm talking about Kansas City, both Missouri and Kansas, uh, you might end up having access to this kind of service. It would cost you 125 bucks a month to get the five gigabit per second service, uh, which is a hefty bill, but I will tell you it's less than half of what I have to pay for a service that is not as good as that. And yes, I am still bitter. All right, that's it for the tech news for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. I hope you are all well. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, reach out to me. One way to do that is on Twitter. The handle for the show is techstuffhsw. But another way is you can download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download, free to use. And you can just go to that little search engine at the top, type in Tech Stuff. It'll take you to the Tech Stuff podcast page. There you will see a little microphone icon. If you click on that, you can leave me a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. Let me know what you would like to hear in the future. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment legal or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 